Welcome, welcomen, and hello, listeners. That's right, Holland, Norway, and Iceland are just three of the countries where we're now a top 100 sports podcast. In a week where our usual lineup has dropped out like Chelsea sponsors, three still remain. First up, the man who wanted to be in all naughty shirts, Borough and Ajax aficionado, Rob Fletcher. Morning, Rob. Hi, Adrian. How are you doing? Very well. And what are you wearing for us today, Rob? Uh, I'm wearing a Monaco 1989 90 shirt. So that was when they were made by Nike. So it was the classic diagonal Monaco designers we've seen on many, many Monaco shirts. But the interesting thing I like about this Nike one compared to the Adidas ones is the material's totally different and it's a little less garish with the sponsors as well. So absolute quality shirt. Looks very, very smart. Also joining us this week, Beckham superfan, Jordan superfan, Checks Notes, Box Shirt superfan, The Flying Scotman. Hello, Scott. Hi, guys. Good to be back again. Today, I am wearing the Ajax 2021 away shirt, which was another lockdown scramble as it sold out quickly. It was the uh, light blue geometric pattern shirt, with which can only be described as a, a digital sand fading. And uh, the reason I've worn that shirt today will become clear when we discuss uh, Room 101. For all those wondering what I've got on today, I'm wearing the a remake, a Nicola Recugula remake of the Napoli 1991 third shirt. Beautiful red number with the Scadetto and the Mars sponsor across the front. Right, niceties done. Let's move on to the news. In the news today... Las Vegas welcomes their new Spanish residency after Enrico Iglesias left the MJM Grand. The Azuri say adio to Puma and benvenuto to Adidas. Things get messy for the Jordan PSG 4 shirt and we serve up some weekly specials. Right, Rob, do you want to kick off with some news coming out of Vegas? Yeah, I'd love to. So it's a great shirt that's been released this week. Um, so Las Vegas Lights are a team that were formed about five years ago. They play the USL Championship, so just a level below the MLS. And they've released some kits in conjunction with a pretty famous brand from the 80s, and that's Maber. So if you remember them from those incredible Barcelona shirts that people like Lineker, Stoichkov, Laudrup wore, they had the classic home shirt, they had the yellow, blue and red version as well. So absolutely superb shirts. And now Maber, their creative director, is Neil Hurd. So if you've got any football shirt books, you might have the football shirt book by Neil Hurd. And you can see his sort of passion and affection for football shirts. And he's now involved with Maber. And they did supply FC20 last year. But now this is sort of the first launch of a football kit under his reign, if you like. And the shirts themselves are fantastic. Obviously, it links to Las Vegas in terms of the black home shirt where you've got what they're described as a representation of the strip on the shirt. So you've got the colours in sort of a diagonal pattern across the front, which I do feel is becoming a little bit more popular. We've seen it on uh, Newcastle's Castore shirt. We've had Hummel Soundwave shirts. So those kind of details and those kinds of patterns have started to reappear. The white shirt, which I quite like the idea behind this, is supposed to represent the desert area around Vegas as well. And you can see that it almost looks like contours from a map on the shirt. Now, if you said that to someone without showing them the shirt, it might look a little bit ordnance survey, but it's actually quite bright. The colours are great. They're linked to the actually very complimentary shirts. Similar, but not the same template. But yeah, very complimentary. So I think that was a great launch, especially from a great brand and someone who's got a bit of history around loving and collecting football shirts. 
Yeah, they're very exciting. I think the away shirt in particular is an absolute beauty. Some of the leaked photos initially came out with Maber across the shirt as well as, a, yeah. as a, in a sponsor's place, which looked really attractive. It's a little bit less attractive, should we say, with the coin clouds, but I think they're still great. I think the shirts are great. And, and just to focus on the brand, I think their re-entry into the football world has been has been really good because the, the FC20 shirts they did last year, particularly the third shirt, which was the green, white, and I think it was a navy slash black yeah. color. It was a really good shirt. And it's it just proven again that, you know, whoever whoever they've got on the team now bringing out the, the light shirts, they're, they're just really smart. I mean, they're only five years old, but they've always had really bright. They've followed the lights theme, haven't they? They've always yeah, had yeah. the the dark shirts with the contrast of the bright lights. And I think, yeah, I think they've nailed it again this time. It was really good. And I think it's great to see a brand like Maber coming back because they've sort of re-entered it under sort of a lifestyle brand at first, didn't they? Where they sort of started making jackets and drill tops that were sort of linked to classic shirts or had links yeah. to other things that were out there. And that's, for me, that's the way to do it sometimes for these brands. They try and make a big splash in the football shirt world, but they don't necessarily always have the background we talked a little bit about uh, Armani last week with the Napoli shirts who've kind of arrived without a lot of football background. And it really does show. Whereas with Neil Hurd in this role as creative director, who, if you know a bit about him, he's been a football shirt collector for a long time. He's got the book about it. He knows kind of the classic designs and the styles. And I think he's brought that into Mabra. And it's, it is good to see. And we've talked about it on the podcast before in terms of teams like Forward Madison, who are trying to make a real statement with the shirts that they've got. I think it's it's brilliant marketing for teams like this. We've had teams like Caversham United who've done things like that. We've got we talked about Berry on the podcast who've got Hope and Glory working with them with fan votes. Getting those people involved for those clubs that maybe aren't at the top level. I think it's just great. It brings the fans in and casual people into it as well. Spain with the 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 lower division teams. I mean, you only have to look back a few years. You had the muscle shirt. Yeah. You had the Hulk shirts, you had the tuxedo kits. It's these these smaller teams that maybe don't have the attendances and the TV rights. They've they've seen a market and they've gone. Do you know what we could we could add a uniqueness to this? And I and I know some people, you know, these obviously aren't novelty shirts. These are are proper designed football yeah. shirts. But it's it's just another way to take advantage of or not take advantage. That that implies that it's seedy. But you know they're they're building on what is now a sustainable marketplace of people collecting football shirts and, and and personally I think it's great that you know that means that we're getting more material we're getting more more shirts out there that are fantastic like this then then I'm all for it you know go ahead fill your club shop make some money for your club it can it can only be a good thing for the sustainability of football yeah definitely completely agree and we look forward to seeing more and more designs come out of the USL over the next few weeks I'm sure we're going to be inundated so Scott you want to talk to us about some changes afoot for the Azuri yeah, so that I mean that was a, a pretty substantial announcement this week. It was uh, announced that Adidas have signed a deal with the Italian national team. Um, the details at the moment haven't been officially released, but there's a few rumours kicking about that it's going to be a four-year contract starting in January 2023, which obviously means we will see Puma make their final appearance of what will have been almost a 20-year contract in the World Cup in Qatar. It's going to cover the men's, the women's, and even going to cover the esports teams. So it's going to be a full takeover. And in terms of shirt design, now this isn't the first time that Adidas have made an Italian shirt because in the 74 to 78, Adidas provided their shirts. 
But the interesting thing is, is that back then they didn't have any stripes or trefoil or any logo on it. So this will be the first time that we will see the Adidas stripes and logo on an Italian shirt. I think this has the potential to go very, very good or very, very awful. <laughs> and my reasoning behind that is I think we've got, I've found two great examples of how it could go. One way it could go is Leicester City, uh, Anderlecht or Wolves style templates where you just get the generic, you know, this is the team wear that we provide and we've stuck your badge on it. But you'd like to think for the current European champions and obviously a you know a massive nation like Italy, they will get the, the unique design features from Adidas and they will actually get their own designs as opposed to the template. And for me, I think it could be really exciting if you, my favourite Adidas shirts of date were the 2018 World Cup, you know, when they had all those throwback designs where every nation got, even though they were all throwbacks, they all got their, their own shirt. And I think, and then you look at the, you know, MLS last year was, was not so great. And then they've turned it around this year, stepped away from the template. So I think it's, it's an exciting yet anxious wait for Italian fans because it will either be superb or awful. Yeah, definitely. I think that Adidas have got that potential, haven't they? Because they showed in the 2018 World Cup that they can use those templates well, adapt them, update them, make them relevant. But as you say, some of the, some of the things they provide for some clubs the team wear element of it. And Borough had Adidas for, you know, going on for, what, 10 years nearly. And we we suffered a lot with the away shirts. If you like, we just got the general off the peg that you could buy for 15 quid in Sports Direct that had a badge chucked on it. But like you say, hopefully, Italy are a tier one team, aren't they, if you think about it in world football. You'd expect them to be a tier one team in terms of kit design. They've got, surely they've got to do the green, white and red stripes. Surely that is an absolute no-brainer on the Adidas badge and on the sleeves. Or even I thought they could do it if they did like a throwback to the 1990, well, 86 to 90 shirts, you could have the three Adidas stripes on the cu- on the cuffs and on the trim of the collar, just as kind of a little bit of a, a throwback. And I think if they had a, a really deep blue shirt that was really plain, just with the Adidas and the, the collars and cuffs, that that looked pretty cool. Unconfirmed reports are that Italy actually terminated the contract with Puma because of the third template that they got served up last year. But uh, like I say, that's to be confirmed. I think we're all excited by what's going to come from Adidas. So we move on to weekly specials and we had a feast of special shirts released and launched over the course of last week. Dusseldorf in Bundesliga 2 served up a special by local artist Jacques Tilly, which I'll be wearing against Hamburg next weekend. By Leverkusen this weekend, they're going to be facing Köln in Derby wearing their special shirt. We also saw Roma release the new ASR badge on their shirt for the Derby next weekend. And Batiste have launched a world kit as they take on Athletic. Any of those four stand out to you guys? I think one of the things that's standing out at the minute is those sort of special shirts that are really kind of catching on, aren't they, for limited releases or for Derby games or for certain um, celebrations that are going on. I don't really remember that being that common, really, but it seems to be sort of post-pandemic, really, there's been a lot more of those shirts that we're seeing. We've always seen them with, you know, special embroidery for cup finals or things like that, but it really does seem to have ratcheted up a notch as well, doesn't it, in terms of those types of shirts? I think the one for me that, not necessarily a standout, but in terms of uh, football shirt collecting, I think the Roma, how they've all they've done is change the badge. 
I can just see people in 10 years sitting around looking at two shirts exactly the same, but the badge is different. And somebody asking, oh, I wonder why the badges are different. And somebody that's a fan, you know, filling them in with the knowledge. I bet you people that were buying shirts 20 years ago didn't think that we'd all be sitting around today discussing, oh, I wonder why this is different or I wonder why the trim is different. So I think that's, in terms of shirt collecting, I think that's a really, it's a, it's a small enough design that it's going to be a discussion point in a few years when maybe the people that weren't into football today or too young will be like, oh, that's strange. I wonder why the badges are different. So that was a, a favourite for me that, that came out this week. That's a great point. It's very annoying as a Roma fan that you've got to go and buy, out the, same, buy the same shirt with a different badge. But um, <laughs> that, that's for me and my wife to discuss. I think it would be unfair of us not to visit those two German shirts a little more closely. I know Alex isn't here, but I know he'd be rooting for us to talk about those two. Have you got any thoughts on those? Yeah, I thought the uh, I thought the Dusseldorf shirt was again. The Germans seem to be very good at releasing these bespoke designed shirts. I mean, I have a shirt in my collection. I believe it was the hundred and twenty fifth anniversary that Hertha Berlin wore a one off shirt in which they got the fans to design a shirt, and it was a it, almost a similar kind of feel. It was like a, a cartoon style drawing of the skyline. And, you know, they seem to do that quite well, I think, the Germans. And that's just another another great feature on the shirt, you know, local local artist. And as long as they wear it in a game, then I'm all for it. So I, I thought that one was really good. And even the, the Leverkusen, to switch to that one, it's a lovely design. The all-white details with the city's crest instead of the sponsor, which was very good of the sponsor to, to step aside and let that happen. And again, in terms of the of the actual shirt, you know, it created a great uh, discussion point about embossed and debossed shirts. So it also educated people (laughs) as well as entertained them. Yeah, I agree with that Leverkusen one. I love that. I think sometimes when they do these special shirts, sometimes the the simple white and then the the silver detail, it always looks really effective together and it, it keeps it simple, but it actually makes the important design elements actually stand out a lot more. Because sometimes with these special shirts, they can be a little bit overcooked, I think. So getting these plainer, in inverted commas, ones right is really important. Because like you say, Scott, replacing the sponsor looks great. The um, Our team for a better world looks great. But if they'd have put other things on or other colours on there, maybe it wouldn't have worked as well. But I actually, I really like that one. Very smart. And the shirt union guys pointed out that that's a template that they've used across the Stuttgart shirt, the special they released for Stuttgart, and also St. Mm. Gallen have released a special shirt as well. So it's a world template that Jacob have been, been serving up to um, some teams around the world. And it's done really nicely. Very nice. Do you know what I quite like about these kind of shirts as well is that when you see them on the pitch, they don't look that distinctive. You know, so they, they just look like a white shirt. So, so almost essentially makes you look at them further either whether it's on Twitter or whether you actually physically buy it and then it's that up you know that up close that that's what you know that it's almost that is what being a shirt collector is is you get the shirt and you open it and when you're looking around it in your hand you 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 notice these really great designs and I, I and I'm I'm all for that I love a standout shirt as well but I think these more subtle ones that it makes it even more of a joy when you get it in the post because you can look through it and see those little details so I, I really like the Leverkusen one as well. This week we saw PSG knocked out of the Champions League, not for the first time. 
However, it meant some rather unfortunate news for people who had bought the new Jordan 4 shirt. Scott, do you want to tell us all about that? Yeah, so funnily enough, as as we've this has been discussed before about certain outlets allowing people to purchase shirts with the wrong name sets or the wrong patches. And as you, Adrian, you so controversially put cup name sets in uh, room 101, then the departure of PSG from the Champions League meant that the cup font will not be worn on the fourth shirt for men's competitions. Now, I know that this sparked a few comments about, well, this isn't true, the cup name set will be worn. But I think for those people that are that were out there supplying that information, I think the point was slightly missed because what was implied was that Mbappe will not be wearing the fourth shirt with the cup font. If you, I know it's getting a lot popular as women's football is uh, increasing in popularity. I know the, especially the United Club Shop, they provide the female players' names on shirts as well. So if anybody out there loves the cup font so much, I would recommend that they select one of the stars from the women's team. Um, so at least it's not a ruined shirt and that way they could still use the cup font. But please do not select any male players with cup font because the shirt will never be worn. Good to see the rise of women's football and the availability of their name sets across the shirts as well. Thank you, Scott. Excellent stuff. That wraps up this week's news. This week's feature, we explore the history of Nicola Rakuja and the NR brand. We spoke to Damien at RB Jerseys. Today, we are delighted to welcome Damien from RB Jerseys onto the pod. Damien's well known to many shirt collectors around the world, I think it's fair to say. Based in Brussels in Belgium, Damien's been supplying some of the top shirts to collectors for years now. And one of the key things Damien does that's really unique is around some of the Nicola Recuselier ranges. And that's what we're going to be talking to Damien about today in focus. So, Damien, hello and welcome. Thank you very much. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, for inviting me. It's an honor to be on the podcast. Kicking things off first, I think the first question, it's on everybody's lips, is how are we pronouncing NR? Is it NR? So basically, legally, they're not NR anymore. They are NR Nicola Raculia. And NR is how you would pronounce the old brand from the yes. late yeah, 80s, it's early like 90s. NR, it's like N and R, so NR. That's how they would say it. Building on that, why don't you give us an overview of them as a manufacturer and, like you say, the legal changes that have happened. Give us an overview of them over the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, so basically people know, the people uh, who are into football shirts know about the famous NR brand. You can think of the Napoli shirts, the um, Fiorentina shirts, old Sampdoria kits. Uh, an era were very were very big at Roma, yes. <laughs> uh, an era were huge in the 80s and in the 70s, mainly in the 80s until about 1990, 1991. They were huge because back in the day it was different in Italy. Right now, kit manufacturers would pay a lot of money to football clubs to actually make their shirts and earn them back with the sales. Back in the day in Italy, it was different for many clubs. Uh, they would pay uh, the manufacturer to produce football football gear. This was at the moment that they were very big because they were with Roma, like I said, with uh, Napoli, Sampdoria. They were huge. Not with Inter, not with Juventus. They already had different deals with Inter, was with Le Coq Sportif, and uh, Juventus was with Kappa. They had, let's say, the newer deals where the manufacturer would actually uh, pay them. But Napoli, uh, but area had the, the other big teams. Uh, so they were huge back then until the polyester shirts became more popular, more demanded by football clubs. 
uh, and Aaron made a small batch different for Leicester shirts in 1990, 1991 season for Napoli and for Roma and perhaps also for Atalanta, although maybe that was the season before. They started experimenting a bit with the, uh, with the fabric, um, but soon they realized that players like Giannini from Roma and Diego Maradona from Napoli hated the fabric, was too sweaty, and that was basically the beginning of the end of the brand. I mean, we won't go into why Maradona might have found it a bit too sweaty, but <laughs> perhaps you could tell us how your link-up with NR started. Like, how did, how did you get involved with the guys at Nicola Racuglia? So basically, there is this uh, middleman who contacted me, um, I guess, three years ago now. saw that I had a lot of NR shirts in my collection. Uh, contacted a couple of different sellers and asked, basically, hey, would you be interested in selling the, the reissues? Because they were playing on making the 87, 88 uh, Napoli shirt with Scudetto and Coppa uh, logo. And I said, yeah, obviously, because I love an era. I was already into football shirts. My wife is from Napoli. So I had a lot of Napoli an era shirts. So there was like a logical, let's say, first step to our, our collaboration. And basically, that's how it started. They knew that I knew a lot about the brand, knew a lot about the shirts. Also, with the contacts I had with other collectors and friends. So they were very interested in working with me. And now, yeah, it's been going on since like three years, something like this. Three years, you've been lighting up our Twitter feeds with those amazing shirts, tempting us every few months to spend <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> feels, feels like longer. My bank balance thinks it's longer. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, you talked about the history and how well you know the products and you know, how they're looking to reissue them. What makes these reissues so special and why they're so true to the originals? It's because they're made in uh, in Italy. So obviously, you, when you think of uh, making these kind of shirts, you maybe turn to Asia, to the Asian countries uh, where they would produce these. In this case, they're made in Italy. And some steps in, in the process of manufacturing these shirts is really done by the same people as 30 years ago, which I think is amazing. Uh, for example, the, basically the sponsors are painted on and it's done by the same people or by the same person uh, that did it 30 years ago. So some of these steps are uh, yeah are done again by the same people with which is amazing i guess in the whole process of of making the shirts maybe i'd say four or five people are involved which sometimes is quite tricky because in covid uh with covid etc we had a lot of delays because if one person is ill for uh, two or three weeks then the whole production stops but i think that makes it unique this whole thing makes this whole production unique I guess that's really important what you've just said there and, and as well like I've tried to emphasize it a couple of times when I show off my one I mean these aren't just reissues are they they're, they're made by the same people in exactly the same techniques and that has to be almost unique I would have thought in the football world especially when it comes to these reissues so yeah it's really special really cool story I think yeah yeah it's great and this is why Obviously, some shirts, they come back in stock all the time, like the Napoli shirts, because people like to have these uh, Napoli 87, 88 shirts, because people like to have them in our collection. And yeah, uh, every now and then it pops up in a magazine because, you know, like we know about it, right? The, the football shirt community knows about it, but still not every magazine knows about it. And for example, yesterday, NSS Sports in, in Italy, they know about this, but they, they posted about these jackets that we do now, Putti Headlines posted as well. So I think it's pretty cool when people get more and more interested. And like I said, yeah, this is very small productions. Like they cannot handle more than, I don't know, producing 100 shirts at a time, you know, and they take some time to sell. So maybe they, they make two, three batches per year. That's it. 
Wow, absolutely incredible. And so we're three years into the partnership now, and we've seen quite a few shirts during that period. I know now you're going into jackets, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But of the shirts that we've seen, what's what's some of your highlights, Damien? What are some of your favourites? So obviously, like the Napoli 87-88 shirt, because it was the first shirt that we made, and it will always be one of the most iconic shirts ever. Then I liked a lot of other shirts. I like the Fiorentina shirts. I have them here. The Fiorentina shirt that they made, because, I mean, I talked about the painted sponsors, like, for example, on this one as well. The Mark shirt is also one of my favorites. But what's so special about the Fiorentina shirt is that in this case, the sponsor and the logo are not uh, painted, but are embroidered. Which is amazing that they managed to do that because that's how player shirts used to be. And I mean, the result is amazing. And the way shirt is pretty cool too. As a pair, they're pretty cool. So this is definitely one of my highlights, one of their highlights. I'm not doing much. I'm just advising on which shirts they can, they can make and what can make my life easier as a seller. Uh, like I said, like this uh, Napoli, this is the 88-89 third shirt. It's a red shirt. But what I like about this Obviously, it's red, cool, but it's mainly here, the details here on the color. And the, the, blue, the blue and white trim, yeah, it's fantastic on the color uh, yeah, cuffs, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. The stripes here on uh, on the sleeves and on the color, it's really amazing. I like the new Sampdoria shirt. You might have seen it already on Twitter, the away shirt. Finally, we can use the, the logos here on the sleeves. On the first batch, we couldn't. So that's pretty cool. And here, they have also the details on the sleeve, which is pretty, pretty cool. So sorry, Damien, you saying there you, you're able to use the logos for the first time. Has that been perhaps a bit of a challenge, trying to get some of the clubs on board able to use their official logos and things? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, it's, at the start, they're always in, right? Uh, or, not, or not all the clubs, but it's much easier to say, yeah, sure, go ahead, you know? Mm-hmm. Because Nico Arcuna is a very respected person in this in this uh, this field of football shirts and, and uh, culture in general. So at the beginning, it was like, yeah, sure, you can use the logos, no problem. And then they saw that it was getting more and more uh, popular, that it started, started being in a magazine. So then some football clubs tried to change to change that, but uh, Nicola Arcuglia knows he has the rights he can to continue. Uh, it was confirmed again and again, because also I want to be sure, you know, as a seller, because I have a lot of visibility. So, you know, we managed to, they managed to continue with that, which is pretty cool. And Sondoria is one of the newest clubs that... Uh, yeah, that we managed to use the logos from, so it's cool. Yeah, I'm really glad that you did get permission as well, because it would be a travesty if we weren't able to see some of those. So, for example, Napoli, there was a stop for one month because we wanted to be really sure, you know, and it's not a club you want to uh, mess with. Uh, also, <laughs> because they wanted to have... Yeah, they, they, they knew they could make money from reissues, so they tried, but it didn't happen, so it's cool. Napoli decided to release 13 other shirts to make yeah, up for it. exactly, that's how they want to recuperate. But if uh, I can give some inside information, it's actually uh, Napoli who was interested in getting some kind of rights from an area to produce these shirts in uh, in Asian countries. So they wanted to create their own reproductions. And Nicola Roculia, his pride is that it's made in Italy and he doesn't want that. So that's inside information. <laughs> Which is now going out to... to <laughs> giving some scoop to people, to the listener. We like it. So we've seen some incredible shirts already. We've got the jackets that have just come out now or yeah. just coming out. You're taking the pre-orders for them, which do look absolutely spectacular, Damien. What would you like to see in the future? Can you give us any scoops of what we might expect over the next 12, 18 months? Uh, yeah, we're working on uh, hoodies, on uh, jumpers, on uh, sweatpants as well. Basically, we're working on that more going into 
now obviously still focusing on the football clubs but trying to uh, remake some other stuff or actually create some new things that were never made uh, back in the day oh wow so like some modern updates exactly so leisure wear uh, you can think of like a Roma hoodie with uh, the Lupetto and as Roma on the back you know basically the options are limitless because we have the rights to use or they have, I say we because we work so closely together we have the rights to use the logo so we really want to make some cool things hopefully things that are a bit cheaper than the football shirts more affordable and things uh, maybe perhaps to hang in in uh, other stores and not only in uh, in my webshop I mean, you're selling to the right crowd here. I saw Adrian's li- eyes light up when you mentioned the Roma leisure wear. I'm, I'm yeah, sure yeah, he'll yeah. be looking for that queue. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it will be cool. Honestly, it will be really interesting. But like I said, the production takes some time. So I'm talking about it now, but it can only, perhaps it will only be released uh, at the end of the year. We, we don't know. You touched on selling into other places and offering different types of products. And of course, you know, you're, you're more than just these uh, NRA re-releases. You've got a really great platform and a really great website yourself that you, that you operate and run. What got you into collecting and what got you into selling? So basically, first I was into selling and then into collecting, <laughs> I have to admit. It started in, what is it, 2016 at the Euros. I'm French. I didn't like the Nike shirts that they were wearing during the Euros, so... Before the Euro started, I was on eBay looking for, I don't know, vintage shirts. I don't know. I just thought, you know, I'll, I'll look for something something different. 2008, Adidas Originals uh, remake of a white, the white away shirt, I guess it's from the 82 season with the pinstripes. I found it cool, slightly too short, but yeah, I was celebrating like this, you know, hands <laughs> not higher than the shoulders. I feel uh, that pain. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Uh, we used to go to the bar, to the pub, to to watch the games, and I was wearing it, and I loved the reaction of people saying, oh, this is a cool shirt, where you get it from? So basically, the idea started a bit back then, but only in 2018, I really was looking at shirts here on online platforms to resell. It took some time to really make that work, because you know it goes when you want to sell, not everybody's always into the same shirts as, as you. And then, yeah, I got into football shirts. I, got, I had so many in my hands that, you know, I just started loving them and I started collecting myself. Started with Enere, again, because of my wife is from Napoli, so I started with Napoli shirts. Then I went to other Italian teams and now it's basically France, Marseille, my team, and other cool stuff that I find. I was going to ask you who you support, but you've just given us the answer there. (laughs) We like to ask everyone when they come on, and I'm going to ask the same for you. God forbid this ever happens, but everything goes up in flames. You've got time to save one shirt. Which shirt mm-hmm. would you be saving? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I look behind me because I have a World Cup 98 France shirt. Let's see it here. It's pretty cool. It's signed by the whole squad. It comes from a former footballer. But this, I guess, is my first prize possession. Why well, don't it's like in a frame, but it's a Napoli Maradona shirt, a real player shirt from the 87 88 season. So I guess wow. I'll take this one. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess unlike most people that join us on the pod, you probably got the, if that, God forbid, did happen, you probably got the benefit of business insurance. So you could rebuy the shirts anyway. Yeah. We could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, what I would implore people to do as well is have a look at your site. I think you have some of the best stock that's out there. You always pick up fantastic shirts. I mean, I, I would ask you what your source is, but I know you can't give those secrets away. So, but yeah. Well, you know, but thank you very much for saying that because unlike other websites, I try to handpick really my items. It's very rare that I buy like a huge bulk. Sometimes it happens, obviously, that somebody comes up with 20 shirts or 30 shirts. And sometimes I do see yes, but it's very rare because 
what I usually do is like from those 20, if I like only five, uh, I try to negotiate only the price of those five. And for, with some like you know sellers, they say, or you take everything or nothing. And in this case, it would be nothing. So thank you very much for 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 saying that you like uh, my website, my shirts, because it takes a lot of time to have a good collection. It takes a lot of time to increase a collection like this because if you handpick every item, it takes forever. But uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. Thank you for saying for all these kind words. Damien, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much. And we look forward to chatting to you again in the future, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Bye-bye. Have a good day. <laughs> Bye. Cheers, Damien. So there we go. Great interview, lads. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great interview with some really interesting insights there. But the, the big point I got from that is that it's all Damien's fault that we've had to put up with terrible fingerprint Maradona shirts. At least it gives boom, us boom. content on Kit Mag, Scott. On that note, given they went into Room 101 last week, let's move on to this week's Room 101. This week's 101 nomination comes from Pedro at the Pedronator on Twitter. Football shirts whose designs don't go all the way around the back should absolutely make their way to Room 101. I get why it's done, but to me, they look cheap they look unfinished they look like a patchwork job taking some of the examples from this season Southampton for example they've got the lovely red and white stripes known for their red and white stripes and then you have a look at this season's shirt you turn it round, and it's just a plain red back it just looks like two different shirts like two shirts have been put together this season's Spurs away shirt I know it's a bit Marmite but I think this is an example where the stadium shirt is actually better than the authentic. The authentic is just a black panel just cutting into design. It's quite jarring when you when you look at it. And then the stadium shirt has the design going all the way around the back. I know which one I'd definitely go for. And you look at the Porto shirt this season. So it's got a little bit of the blue and white stripes at the bottom of the shirt on the back. Uh, and then it's just one big blue block now, I know this is to make the numbers and the name set stand out, but when you look at the front, the sponsor is blue with a white outline. So if it can work on the front, then it should be able to work on the back. If we're paying that much money for a shirt, I want it to be all over. What we see on the back, the the plain square or, or just a plain back, it doesn't warrant any percentage of the cash that I, uh, that I stump up for a shirt. So... That, for me, guys, is why I think these shirts should be in room 101. Right, I'm going to go first on this one, because I think we've talked about this a little bit before. We've talked about UEFA and FIFA's meddling with football shirts. And it just seems to me that letting legislators basically legislate what is allowed to be on the back of a football shirt, especially, is quite ridiculous. And also... The fact that you can still see numbers over a pattern because the front of a shirt has a massive sponsor, a badge, and a manufacturer's logo on the front means that it's absolutely redundant to stop the pattern at the front of the shirt. I get that there might be some financial reasons behind it in terms of how much the pattern costs to continue, but it just looks terrible, and there's absolutely no reason why we need a massive block on the back of the shirt unless you're Juventus or Newcastle to stop a pattern moving forward. Yep, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think apart from the 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 reasons you've stated there, for me, I just think it looks absolutely terrible. I mean, it literally looks like if you stand, you know, you see them standing side on, they don't even, it's not even like they fade it away. 
and make it look nice. It's literally just full stop, patterns finished. And there's some great examples of shirts that have been absolutely destroyed. For example, the Japan 2021 home that had that lovely pattern on the the, the, the blue and dark blue white camo style pattern on the front. Then they come in, some nice stripes on the side, and then boof, plain back. And aside from the fact that it looks disgusting, I don't understand, you know, you, you mentioned the financial reasons, but, you know, yes, if you have a black and white shirt, you obviously it would be difficult. But even Newcastle used to put the red numbers on their shirts and you could still see the red numbers. But aside from eyesight, you know, we're, we're not dealing with, I think the, the teams that we're speaking about, we're not dealing with a Sunday league team here where the referee needs to see your number. We're dealing with referees that see players week in, week out. And if you're trying to tell me that Michael Oliver doesn't know if Paul Pogba, Ronaldo or Luke Shaw has made a bad tackle, so he books the right person because he can't see his number, I'm not having it. They all know them by first name. We all know who they are. They don't need a big white box on the back of their lovely shirt so that the referee can see their number. I mean, I think it's quite fair to question some of the eyesight, especially some of the English officials. So maybe they do need that on the back of the shirt. Well, maybe they're trying too hard to see their numbers, <laughs> not paying attention to the challenges. <laughs> oh, surely that was the whole point of them putting the numbers on shorts, because then you don't have to ask the player to turn around and check the back, because the shorts are on the, fr- on, on the front as they're speaking to them. Write that down. But like you say, it just it seems such an oddity, really. And I actually I hadn't thought about the blending part, Scott. But one, one which would be great. But one thing I really don't like about it is the colour matching is terrible. So yeah. a lot of the time, so the Borussia Mönchengladbach one, the green one that's got the sort of crazy pattern on the front, and then it's got it just underneath the panel at the back. The green, the main part of the green where the number would go, doesn't actually match the green on the rest of the shirt. So it's not like they've even got the same fabric because... Not that we're going to pass that, but if there is a regulation that says you have to have a block on, at least get the identical colour match. So when you do look at it side on, like you say, it flows round the corner of the shirt rather than, oh, well, this is the back panel that we've made 50 million thousand of them for one penny each. And for 5p, we've stuck the one on the front and stuck them together like a, you know, a badly done textiles GCSE project. At least match the colours. That, that will be the first thing. I was an advocate for having the white boxes on the back of a shirt so that people could see the numbers. However, having taken delivery this week of the Warwick shirt, the kaleidoscope of colour shirt that they wore in the Eredivisie the week before last and sold off for charity for Ukraine. That shirt's arrived. It's wraparound colour, lots and lots of colour. And you can still see the white number on the back of a shirt. It's not an issue. Yeah, that's why I wore the, as I said, I decided to wear the, the Ajax shirt because I remember a big comment people made when it came out was, the pattern was the whole way around the back. That was one of the features that people were like really excited about. And it just shows how bad it's gotten that the fact that you have a pattern continue. I mean, you, you got to go back to, to, you know, look at the, the 92 Man United shirt. You know, you had imagine a snowflake shirt that just had a dark blue panel on the back. It would be nowhere near as attractive as it is at the moment. And, you, and you know, another shirt I really liked was the, the Marseille 2021 20, away that had the you know the old school city housing on the front and like you said Robert it was like a dark a nice light blue with all the patterns and the lights in it and then bang dark blue back that that had no, that wasn't on any other part of the shirt just a completely different color it, 
it just looks dreadful, absolutely dreadful. I appreciate the design process is difficult, and I appreciate that getting these shirts out and made and past all regulations and sight and everything like that. And I get that, but like you say, Scott, that IX one that you're wearing is a pretty detailed and different sort of pattern than you see on a lot of shirts that don't fall around to the back. And that they've got, I've got that shirt with the Gravenberch eight on the back, and they've got the red numbers on with the white trim. And they, they do look really, really clear in terms of the numbers. And the colour matches the, the details on the collar and the red as well through it, obviously with being Ajax. And it works really well. And there's no real excuse for it unless you're being mandated it, which if you are, should stop. And if you're being a cheapskate because you're just making team wear, which is what I think a lot of the, these brands are actually doing. So the irony to that, and I know we put stadium shirts in the bin a few weeks ago in terms of the price point, is that particularly the Spurs shirts this year, I think the pattern does wrap around the back of those on the Spurs shirt, whereas it does not on the player version. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. And that's the same with the Norway away shirt. So the stadium, the stadium shirts are, are actually the, the dry fit advanced as well, if available. So the, the, the fan shirts, the pattern continues. But yeah, on the... On the actual player issued shirts, yeah, there's it's the third shirt, the Tottenham one, isn't it? They have a, a dirty great black box on the back, and then the Norway away had a massive white box on the back. So yeah, it was the shirt design is actually a relatively new a new thing where they've gone right. We're going to force the clubs to make these shirts with a plain back because I remember in uh, Hendrik Larsson's days at Celtic when they played in Europe, they actually printed. So you, you had the shirt that had the hoops that went the whole way around, but they screen printed a big white box on the back and then a number on top. So even UEFA back then, were they were messing with the clubs that had full pattern shirts, they were forcing them. And I actually picked, I picked one up for a, a friend that was looking for one. And it, and it literally is just a, a, a white box screen printed on the back of the shirt and then another number, a black number screen printed on the top. So... Yeah, we need to keep, I mean, the governing bodies are, the podcast isn't long enough to get into their corruption. So the fact that they have the audacity to tell teams how to make their shirts as well, I think they should just stick to messing up what they usually mess up and leave the shirts alone. Screen printed boxes coming on to football shirts. That's coming to a Chelsea fan near you. <laughs> so I get the feeling that we're anti-establishment in here. We, we're not for these rules. We're rule breakers and we want to see shirts that don't wrap around going into room 101. 100%. Yep, get them in. They're gone. Thank you to everybody for joining us for what was number 11 of the Kit Mag pod. We look forward to metaphorically seeing you next week without the kids. (laughs) 